This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Welcome to Engadget Tomorrow. I'm Imran Sheikh, and this is where you get to hear about tomorrow today. Today we're talking about two big firsts for the future of travel down here on Earth and up in space. First, let's start with a space debut that was 10 years in the making. Virgin Galactic has completed its first commercial flight. After launching the mothership VMS Eve, the spaceship VSS Unity reached an altitude of around 52 miles, which is the edge of space in case you didn't know. It completed the Galactic Zero One research mission, landing nearly 15 minutes later at the company's Spaceport America base near Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. The company's first client was the Italian government, which had the aim of conducting microgravity research. The Air Force Colonel Walter Villadei, Air Force Lieutenant and Flight Surgeon Colonel Angelo Landolfi, and Pantaleone Carlucci, a research council member acting as flight engineer and payload specialist, were all aboard. And Unity was piloted by retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Michael Masucci and Nicola Pasile, with Virgin Galactic trainer Colin Bennett also on board. Before the commercial flight, Virgin Galactic had conducted five crewed space flights in total. The last one was in late May with four employees aboard. But to be clear, the company has gone through a lot of pain getting to that point. After several successful tests of its spaceship to space plane aboard the mothership White Knight 2 back in 2013, Virgin Galactic's VSS Enterprise crashed in 2014, killing the co-pilot and seriously injuring the pilot. Flight testing resumed with a VSS Unity's glide test back in 2016, and the ship finally reached space in 2018. The company's first fully crewed spaceflight took place in 2021, when Unity hit an altitude of 53.4 miles with founder Richard Branson on board. However, commercial service was delayed multiple times for different reasons, most recently due to issues in upgrading the mothership VMS Eve. From a financial perspective, the launch was crucial for Virgin Galactic. They had no paying customers until now, so the company has lost money for years, including more than $500 million in 2022 alone. It advertises seats at $450,000 per ticket and previously set a goal of having 1,000 reservations prior to its first commercial launch. 
Virgin Galactic's main rival in the suborbital tourism space race is Blue Origin, which uses a conventional rocket rather than an airplane mothership. Blue Origin CEO and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has said that Virgin Galactic fails to deliver a true spaceflight experience compared to Blue Origin's system that tops 62 miles in altitude past the Kármán line often used to mark the beginning of space. Others consider 50 miles the threshold. But Blue Origin has had problems of its own. Last year, one of its New Shepard rockets suffered from a booster failure about a minute after takeoff, forcing the company to deploy its escape system from the uncrewed capsule, which worked as designed. Another rival, SpaceX, offers a far different experience. Its Falcon 1 rocket and Crew Dragon capsule take customers into a true orbit. SpaceX has even flown a private crew to the International Space Station on a 10-day mission, reportedly for a $55 million fee. Back on Earth, and for a much cheaper price this summer, North America's first hydrogen-powered train began traveling across the Canadian countryside. The French passenger train is a short-term demonstration running through the end of September that aims to spark adoption in Canada and the U.S. Robert Stasco, the executive director of Ontario's Hydrogen Business Council, told CBC News, I think the most important thing that's going to come out of it is people's awareness and comfort with the technology. The Canadian loaner runs from Montmorency Falls in Quebec City to Bay St. Paul, a two and a half hour trip on Wednesdays to Sundays through September 30th. The train has a top speed of 140 kilometers per hour, 87 miles per hour, and can carry up to 120 people in its two passenger cars. The French company Alstom makes the train and says its acceleration and braking performance is comparable to standard diesel engine trains without the emissions. A lot of Europe uses trains with electric rails or overhead wires, but hydrogen trains are ideal for places like the Canadian countryside with the long distances and relatively low commuter density. And a lot of the U.S. would fit that bill as well. The same model of train, the Kuradia Island, has already made runs in eight European countries. As many as 14 of the same model began running a route in Lower Saxony, Germany, last year. Alstom began testing the trains in 2018 and has additional contracts in Germany, Italy, and France. The company says European clients have ordered 41 of the train sets. The CEO of Arnois Energie, the train's hydrogen fuel supplier, Serge Arnois, says the Caradia Island uses a ballpark of about 50 kilograms of hydrogen a day. The same journey using a standard engine would burn around 500 liters of diesel fuel. And it only emits water vapor along its journey as a byproduct of combining hydrogen with oxygen in a fuel cell to generate its power. But there are some asterisks to attach to the three-month demo. First, it requires a diesel-powered truck to transport the hydrogen to the train every time it refuels. Arnois says that ideally the hydrogen would eventually be produced on site to avoid this step. 
It makes you wonder about the emissions produced on its presumed voyage from Europe to Canada for its mere three-month demo, but the train will move on to other North American cities after its summer residence with the long-term goal for the tour to help promote widespread hydrogen train adoption across different North American regions, which, if all goes well, could more than offset the carbon footprint from its diesel truck top-offs and journey across the Atlantic. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Today's show featured journalism by Engadget contributor Steve Dent and Will Shanklin and was produced by Spoken Layer. I'm Imran Sheikh, and we'll talk more tomorrow. Spoken Layer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.